Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. Hey folks, CJ Grimm here from Poking Dead Things. It's a hard job doing what we do, and it can get kind of gross. We know that you work hard too, so I'm here to tell you that at the end of a hard day, nothing beats a hot bath and a cold beer. So treat yourself right and head to Twisted Willow Soap Company and indulge in a bath bomb with your favorite six-pack. Remember, the only girly thing about a bath bomb are the sounds you're going to make in excitement. Twisted Willow Soap Company. Body. Mind. Soul. Hello, beautiful creatures. Welcome to our community, Misha Magdalene, the 87th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of our guest, witch and writer, Misha Magdalene. You may call me Ode. You can call me Carr. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet. My name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. And that I love that. I've always loved Misha's opening. I know. It's great. I love so being I a beautiful I creature. I stole Misha's opening. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we have... Yes, we have housekeeping. Housekeeping. The first episode of the month, so yep. all our people get it read. Can you believe that? It's fucking April. Oh, when did yeah. that happen? All right, <laughs> just so everybody knows, I'm probably going to slaughter your name. Just, just go with it. Deal with it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have 22 kittens. That's a lot. We love you, kittens. Our cats are Amber Deathisless, <laughs> Beehive Coven, Cheryl McGuire, that one I can pronounce, Christopher Dalby, Christy Claxton, Cindy Barrick, Dale Harvey, Alyssa Durka, M. Talasavari, Gary Bearstorm, Jasmine Ray Bell, Coney Briggs, Lorelai, Megan, Megan Sokolow, Michelle KB, Rebecca Hillman, Sakura, Tanya Allen, Vivian Armstrong, and Zacchaeus. We love you, cats. Yes, thank you to our cats. We thank our cats. Our hunters are. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, here we go. Taking a deep breath. Let me get my water. Alyssa Addy, Amy Martin, Blondie, Briar Aldrich, Charles Howison, Delilah Darge, Darby Lockridge, Offward, Emily Bailey, Erica Mead, Felicia Hudson, Finn Odinson, Gemma Atkinson, Jeffrey Bogart, Beauregard, Henry Wodehouse, Jim Two Snakes, Yanni, Jax, JC Helmer, Jen, Jessica Glassbrook, Jessica Jones, Juniper Shadowcat, Kimberly Lockabee, Kitty Chat 47, Laudine, Lauren Faithful, Lunera Oakleaf, Mackenzie Boyer, Melissa Varner, Meredith Kenton, Misha Magdalene, Nadia Ratchford, Nicodemus Tibbetts, Alice Perch, Pablo B. Fordor, Ray Lothrop, Rana, Sarah Parkinson, Sarah LePage, Sarenth Odinson, Scubus, Selkie Sue, Shannon Bednar, Celia Bond, Stephanie Edwards, Stevie Thompson, Squeaky, Tamara Poifair, The Pirate Cove, The Sugar Maple Seder, Usha Ursa, Victoria Selness, Chimina Kokora, Yokori Lunera, and Zachary Cornwall. Wow! Holy shit! I always expect that list to end way before it does. <laughs> and we love you hunters. You know we love our hunters so much. Yes. Our leopards are Akaneko, Chris Colobri, and Foxchild. Thank you, leopards. We love you. Our tigers are our Darren Summit, Crystal of Apothecary Tees, Solanox, Silverstar, Alora Driver, Misha Lutz, Nick's Falling Leaf, Silken Fern, and Kelly and Jim from Tree Wizard Creation. We love our tigers. <laughs> our panthers are QQ Ann. <gasps> QQ! We love our QQ. Our jaguars are 
Amanda Hicks, Emily Hall, Justin Stanage, Kelly Burke, Kirsten Ray, Bill L., and Yellow Kiwi. And we love our Jaguars. Our Jaguars. And our lions are the Twisted Willow Soap Company. We love our Twisted Willow. Yep. Uh, any other housekeeping? I don't think so. We don't no, have anything coming up for ho- obvious reasons. We're housekept. Maybe yeah. we have to double check. There may be a thing going on on for your father and I, for Car and I, on the full moon. But we have to find out. So oh, that's yeah. online. Yeah, that's, so that's online. online. So we will update the Facebook ah, page if and that happens. Velocity Rose points out the music competition. Car, update oh, people on the yes. music competition. Oh, yeah. So the music competition, get us a new theme song that you write and send it to us. And they need to be between 30 seconds and 45 seconds to a minute. When do they need to be submitted by? Oh, let's say the end of this month. Yeah. Okay, so by the end of April? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that would be this month. Well, who the fuck knows? <laughs> uh, we're kind of in a di- time field. Of we are. We're, in a, yeah, we're definitely in a time dilation. I sat, yeah. I sat down earlier and I was like, is today actually what Saturday? What day is it? Yeah. Yeah. I've been losing track of days like for weeks now. I don't go to work, so it's very <laughs> weird. It's very, very weird, weird for me. A- Agent M says there is no time anymore, and that's, that's correct. correct. That is true. It was an it was all, always an artificial construct, and we're now seeing that borne out being in reality. Smashed to smithereens. <laughs> don't forget the hangouts on Sunday. Yep. Car is hosting Zoom hangouts with yep. the Pride on Sundays right. at 2 p.m. Yep. And then Monday through Friday on Facebook at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, I'm doing a short meditation. For anyone who's interested in joining me that early, or you can watch the recording later. We're now ready to actually start an episode, although we don't have like a topic per se. No, we, we just have got a Misha. Misha. We just we have, have Misha, Misha, and we're going to talk to the we Misha. Have, um, Misha. Way, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Why, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are really excited to have you here with us, Misha, and it's unfortunate that circumstances have led to you not being able to go to see the Squirrel Nut Zippers, but we're glad that you're spending this time with us. Thank you so much. I am absolutely delighted to be able to spend the time with you. And I, I am I am this much sad about missing the squirrel nut zippers, but, you know, everybody is right now. And it's just kind of the thing we're all doing. So um, this much means a lot to the three of us being able to see you. But to all the listeners, they have no idea. <laughs> about an inch. <laughs> yeah, call, call it a, more like a centimeter. Okay. <laughs> I'm about a centimeter sad that I'm missing the squirrel nut zippers right now, but I am like a foot and a half happy. <laughs> Boy, this is just going, this is just going bad places already. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to our podcast. Fucking A. There, and, there, and there's the swearing for Scoobus. I did want to, I mean, this is kind of starting off on kind of a, a serious note. But Let's do it. I got to see you at yes. the final Pantheacon. The last Pantheacon. That's right. And I got to step into your class and listen to <laughs> that amazing ending that you tacked on. My understanding is kind of last minute you decided to do that. Not exactly. So the story on this is... Um, <laughs> Take this back a little further. Prior to the previous year's Pantheacon, there was an individual who had been invited to come and present at the con and vend, uh, you know, sell things, who I felt was an active danger to people in the community. 
And I wrote to the conference organizers and said, hi, I have these concerns about this person. And I hope that you will hear what I'm saying and take this seriously. And what happened is that um, my name and all of the stuff that I wrote was then forwarded to the person that I was trying to warn them about. Oh, wow. Good, classy, good. Excellent yeah. Favorite, staff. Yeah. Well yeah, that, 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 that was a thing. And yeah, that, that turned into a whole thing. And in the event, the person in question was uninvited from the conference and I wound up going and it was fine. It was what it was. And there were other things going on at the conference at that point in time, uh, some of which involved a lot of the pagans of color who were in attendance. And between how all of that fell out and the fallout from the stuff that I had been involved with, I was really on the fence about whether or not I could, in good conscience, ethically be at the conference. Um, I'd been asked to submit a presentation and come and do a thing. And I was really like, I don't know if I feel okay about that. And I sat in discernment with that for a few weeks and finally came to the, the compromise of I can go if my presence at the conference is specifically to try and make some sort of positive change in this particular community, the sort of loosely the sort of central California, San Francisco Bay area pagan community. The only way I felt I could be there is if me being there in some way contributed something I felt was positive to the dialogue around queer and trans pagans and other groups in the community who are often marginalized and pushed to the side. So that's where that whole coda came from and uh which I wound up publishing on my Pathios blog the morning after my class because I, I felt it was important to just, you know, if I'm going to stand up in front of a room full of people and say this, I may as well put those words formally on the record. And for people who were not at Pantheacon mm-hmm. <laughs> or who might not have read this particular blog post yet, what was the gist of that? The gist of it is that in my opinion, you know, and I am just one person, the community, that particular community failed queer and trans people by creating an environment that was willing to give platforms to people who were transphobic, were homophobic. Uh, and not just that, you know, this was an environment where there were people who were actively racist, you know, white supremacists running around, leaving literature and just generally stinking the joint up. And there were a lot of other issues as well, issues of accessibility for people with disabilities or people who are autistic or neurodivergent. And not being a member of any of those communities, I don't feel like it's my place to speak on their behalf. But I can say those people have all talked about their issues. Go listen to them. Being a queer trans pagan, I feel like I can at least offer my opinion on those issues as one data point. And so that's what I did. And it was brilliantly done. I I have to tell you, both at the class and in your blog post. So if you haven't read Misha's blog post, go read Misha's 
blog. Read all the right. posts. Read, Misha, read Misha's blog generally. That's yes. right. Yeah. And then and <laughs> make sure you find this one that happened in February. I guess my question follow-up of that is because this is an important issue within the pagan community as a whole. Yeah, not even just that. Not even just that specific in California community. What can we do as our various communities to be more inclusive? Because I, you know, as the mother of a trans son, the mother of a non-binary young person, child, child, um, you know, offspring, Offspring, yeah, my offspring, and being a bisexual woman myself, there needs to be inclusion. And I know that at the last conference that we attended, there was a lot of chatter online uh, from trans and queer people saying they felt ostracized Mm -hmm. at that event. And that was here in Michigan in the Midwest. So obviously it's a problem everywhere. Yes, it is. what, What can we do or what should we be doing differently to start seeing a because clearly doing panels about it isn't making it's that much not difference. making a difference. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I have an answer to this, and it's an answer that nobody likes, or rather, it's an answer that people really like until they start trying to put it into practice, and then they go, "Ooh, but hmm." And the answer is that people in leadership. And yes, pagans, we do have leadership, no matter how we try to avoid hierarchy and structure. It's like, no, no, just get over it. There are leaders. We do have leadership. People in leadership need to reach out to the trans community, to the queer community, to people in those communities and say, hi, we want to be inclusive. We want to be welcoming and accepting and a nurturing and nourishing and positive place for you and people in your community. How are we failing you? And how can we do better? Would you be willing to help us do better? And then, and this is the tough part, they need to shut the fuck up and listen. And not just listen and go, oh, yes, I see what you're saying there. They need to listen, they need to take notes, and turn those notes into an action plan. While I was at PantheaCon, I had the profound privilege of being able to sit in a room with a couple of folks who are in leadership in a relatively large pagan organization of some note. And I got to say exactly that to these folks who are in leadership in this organization and say, you need to reach out to people in these communities. You need to ask them to help educate you. And then you need to listen to what they're saying and do that. And the problem is that's going to make a lot of people in these organizations, in our communities, real uncomfortable because they're going to say, well, why do we have to change how we do things. We The way we've done things has been great. We've been doing this since the 70s. And, you know, wh- why do we have to change things now for all these, like, queer and trans and non-binary, what even is that, people? And Snowflakes. Yeah, exactly. It's that thing where people don't want to change because they like how things are. And when things change, they have to confront the possibility that maybe how we've always done it isn't the best way of doing things. It's not the most inclusive way. And in some ways, it just perpetuates the problem. I think inertia is an extremely powerful force. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In paganism as a whole, 
in the current form, neo-paganism, mm-hmm. right? We don't have that much fucking history, right? Right. Our traditions are our only traditions are not that old. I don't know what you're talking about. I've got a ten thousand year old book of shadows right <laughs> over here. It's so, like stone tablets. Trying to move that thing is just a pain in the ass. <laughs> you would think that it would be easier for us to kind of turn the ship than it is for a lot of other very organized religions, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 2,000 um, years of history, harder to move than 100 years of history. Right, exactly. But Scubus makes a really good point with a quote of, you know, mm-hmm. if things are fine for me, why bother changing anything? Because exactly. Because it's going to be an empath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should care about someone else's feelings. And that really does, I think, come down to people just you know, inertia is a thing. It is easier to keep doing the same thing you've been doing or the same thing you've been taught mm-hmm. rather than be brave and try something new and different. And that's what it Which, comes like, down to. Which, like, I get it. I hate change. It frightens and upsets me. But sometimes you need to do it anyway. That's and that's right. why you work with Loki sometimes. <laughs> yeah. No, change is terrifying because, well... As we are all living through right now, none of us knows what the world is going to look like a year from now. We don't know what the world's going to look like at the end of this summer. Yeah. I don't even, I'm not 100% on what the world's going to look like in May. Right. Like, well, I mean, that's like two years away from now, so. Exactly. Remember, cause time, dilation, <laughs> we're right. in this weird space. And not right real. Now. One of the soapboxes that I find myself standing on, you know, in the proverbial Hyde Park of the pagan blogosphere, where I, you know, jump up on my soapbox and start raving about things. <laughs> One of my soapbox issues is the subject of power in the pagan community, pagan, polytheist, occult, magical practitioner communities. I think one of the major reasons that people come to paganism or polytheism or the occult is fundamentally because they want power. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. People are looking for power because they want to feel empowered. And a lot of them are coming from disenfranchised backgrounds. Exactly. Exactly. They're coming from disenfranchised backgrounds. They're coming out of backgrounds of trauma. They're looking for ways to feel power in their own lives. Because of that, I think people become very defensive of this thing that they are invested in that has given them some some sense of power and control in their own lives. And then suddenly you've got this this new generation of people coming along and maybe they've got funny color dyed hair and, you know, things are shaved and piercings and tattoos and they're using all this language you don't understand and they're telling you that all of these words that you've been using for 30, 40 years are suddenly offensive. And they're, and they're just like, wait, wait, what, what the hell happened? Why are the rules suddenly different? Rabbit makes a really good point in that a lot of the way we've always done it comes from some slightly problematic people, uh-huh. people who had prejudices. Like you look at Crowley, you look at Gardner, oh. you know, <laughs> You look more recently at Z and you realize, you know, what they said, yes, they, they said some very profound things. They led some, led us into the place where we are now, Mm -hmm. but that does not mean that what they said and did was sacrosanct. It, It doesn't. But I think that's part of the problem is so many of us come from a religious tradition where the book Holy is. Is the sacred. word, it's yeah. sacred, Change, and the writers of that word mm-hmm. are holy, divinely inspired. Are divinely inspired. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I wonder if that's not what is happening 
with the works of Crowley, with the works of Gardner, and what they brought to the table, oh. so that it's making it hard for people Absolutely. to get Absolutely. I think that the pagan and polytheist and magical communities have always had this hang-up about validity, about legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Authenticity. Right. Yeah, the authenticity debate. It's like, yeah, I'm an initiated Gardnerian. I've heard every angle on the authenticity debate uh, around that. I think we clutch onto these figures like Crowley or Gardner or Dion Fortune or, you know, whoever your particular figure of note is, Z Budapest more recently, because we don't have, well, unless you're Thalamic, we don't have these holy texts that we can clutch onto and say, you can't change a single character in this or it all falls apart. Uh, with Thelema, you know, they've got the Book of the Law and a few other texts where it's like, no, this is the thing. There's a whole nother conversation to be had there. But I do like what Silky <laughs> says as well. People are gray. They said good things, but they also said and perpetuated bad things as yep. well. Take the good, ditch the bad. Yeah, this is something I wanted to point out. Literally every human being on Earth is probably... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you want like- nuance? You want nuance in <laughs> <Yeah>, paganism? <right? laughs> No one's perfect, right? Shocking. No one, your incomparable, unquestionable cinnamon roll. We are all fucked up, messy people doing our best. Uh, I've seen this discussed recently, a concept that we see a lot. I mean, you see it in Christianity too, but especially in modern paganism, I think because a lot of it started in Western capitalism of the market mediated religious authorities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where, you know, you sell enough books, you get enough, you know, popularity, enough cultural cachet, and you become a religious authority by virtue of the fact that people are listening to you rather than by virtue of having any special authority. As somebody who just, I was just about (laughs) to say, you know, um, I am the same awkward nerdy fuck up. I was a year ago or five years ago. I mean, you know, with a little more experience, but I wrote a book. And so there are some folks who see that I wrote this book as a stamp of legitimacy on my opinions. In some ways, and I'll be honest, that is weirdly gratifying because it's like, wow, I've been saying the same stuff the whole time and nobody listened. But now that but now you are the Misha. But now I am uh-huh. the Misha. And suddenly people are going, oh, wow, your opinion means something. And I'm like, it doesn't mean anything it didn't mean before. Not published by like a traditional right. publisher. Mm-hmm. That a dead tree book. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I also think, you know, it's important that that book got published because now you do have a platform that people did not recognize before. Yeah. So it's kind of like... I am really nervous about the market mediated religious authority about the idea that there is a legitimacy that is conferred by the dead tree version of mm. all of the stuff that I say. But at the same time, that is the world we live in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You have to work within the context within of your right. reality right. Yeah. while trying to change it right. as much as and, possible. And if I can get a book published that says magic is queer and queerness is magic and that's just how it is and it 
causes some 17-year-old non-binary person in Omaha, Nebraska to go, wow, I'm not the only one. Or it causes some 65-year-old pagan elder to stop and go, huh, maybe I need to rethink something. Mm -hmm. That's all to the good. Like, I I think all these platforms have value. (laughs) They say from their very own podcast platform. That I resent, (laughs) yeah. Um, And and this is, this is, it is an awkward position to be in because I didn't, I didn't set out to become a a leader or put myself in a position of authority on any subject because I don't like, like I never finished college. Like I don't have a degree in anything. I don't even have a high school diploma. Right? Like, Ode, if it makes you feel any better at all, I'm 46 years old. I just got my bachelor's degree in 2017. There you go. Right. So it's still an option. Yeah, it's, it's still an option. He's <laughs> got some time is what I'm saying. People ask me about stones all the time sure. now, right? Because, like, I talk about stones on the podcast because I like stones. But I'm not an expert on any of that. Like, we have a we have a, a jeweler in the Discord, Twiggy, yep. <laughs> who's constantly correcting me. And I try to, like, get those corrections onto the podcast. I'm just doing my best with, like, Google searches and, and like, my own, like, amateur-level research. I'm not an expert on anything, and my opinions are no more valid or important than anyone else's opinions. I just happen to have a microphone. Right, but you also have ethics and transparency. You are really upfront about the fact, hi, my opinions don't mean more because I have a microphone. They're just louder. And exactly. And you're also really upfront about the fact that, hey, I'm an, you know, I am an amateur. I love this. So I am doing this because this is a thing I love and this is how I feel about this stuff. But don't just take my word for it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that people do. Yep. And that's the thing that concerns me. And I'm not sure how to balance those well, issues. And I think one of the things we try to do is we always try to encourage our listeners to study for themselves, to get on Google, get the books. You know, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a book person. I, I, you know, I think studying the books and do the research. When I wrote Outside the Charmed Circle, I went into it basically just out of finishing my degree program, which is why it has kind of an academic tone at times because I hadn't worked all of the university out of my writing voice. That made Ode happy. Yeah, I Uh, I, (laughs) Seriously, just a little sidebar here. We had Tempest and Nathaniel Johnstone, her partner, and a couple of our other friends over for dinner when the episode of 3-Pack that had the review of my book came out. And I was like, oh, my God, the episode's live. Do you mind if we just listen to it? Everybody's like, no, 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 put it on, put it on. And so we put this on in the middle of dinner, and I literally was, I burst into tears listening to it. I was like, oh, my God. It was a total, they like me, they really like me moment. Well, it's a good book. It's a great book. In fact, I think this is a good segue to to remind people about Misha wrote a book. Uh, Misha wrote a book, and it's a good book, and I think it's an important book, regardless of how you identify. I think it's an important book that should be on everybody's reading list and in their library because you have some really good concepts, important concepts. Thank you so much. And I've actually read it twice now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I haven't even read it twice. I'm the minority in this family because... I'm the only like completely You're the straight cis, cis white, white male. Man. Yeah. <laughs> You're so, a token. Yeah, right. <laughs> How does it feel, Car? <laughs> 
Um, you know, there are times I wish I was bi or gay or something because it would make the conversation somewhat different. But yeah, yeah. So, but I've read it twice because I think it's more important for me to know those things than it necessarily is for somebody who is queer. Because it's not a, it's not a natural. It's not a natural experience. Correct. Yeah. So when I sent in the first draft of Outside the Charmed Circle, I had a phone meeting with my editor, Heather Green, who is amazing and delightful, and I love her to pieces. And I knew within five minutes of that first phone call, because we hadn't met before, that we were going to get along just fine, because she at one point was saying, so, Misha, you can't call Alistair Crowley a jerk face in the text. And I said... But Heather, in the original, I called him an asshole. (laughs) Heather lost it, and I went, okay, thank God. We're going to be able to work together just fine. But um, one of the things that Heather sort of, you know, put me on the spot about was she said, so I want you to tell me, who is your target audience in this book? And I said, well, I kind of had two target audiences, because on the one hand, I really wanted to write it for the straight cisgender pagans who don't really get all this queer, trans, non-binary stuff. You know, basically just sort of sit them down and say, it's okay. It's okay. Here's a cup of tea. Here's some biscuits. It's fine. I will talk you through all of this so that you will understand what all the kids are talking about these days and you won't stick your foot in it. But I also wanted to write a book I wanted to write the book that I wanted to read when I was a 15-year-old queer, non-binary kid in Greenville, South Carolina in the mid to late 1980s and going, oh my gods, I'm a witch, I'm queer, whatever this whole gender thing is, and I don't even understand, and all of these books out there are like, well, there's a goddess and a god and they do it. And that's, that's, that's magic. And like, <laughs> is it, is it? And must it be? But the, must is, it is, be? That, is that, is that all there is? And I told Heather this and she said, write that book, write that book. And all of the other people who need to understand and get all of it, they'll get what they need to get out of that book. But that's the book where your passion lives. That's the book that you set out to write. Write that one. And so I did. And it's beautiful. It's it's a wonderful book. Mm-hmm. And I I'll And it's admit, clearly doing both jobs. It's doing both jobs. I'm my editor is a very, very smart person. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing is, like, you know, we've done a couple of, of episodes. In fact, we quoted from Outside the yep. Charmed Circle before, before it was even I published. remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah, scoop. Yep. <laughs> That's right. That's what happens when you randomly email people yeah. and go, That's hey, right. can so, I use this thing? Sometimes we really do benefit from Carr's extroversion. <laughs> you know, extroverts, we do have our place. But until we did the liminal mm-hmm. episodes, yeah. um, I did not realize or for whatever reason did not parse how many queer gods there are <laughs> in, in a Buckets. variety of pantheons. And it freaks people oh, out. I could have written an entire book that was nothing but, you know, queer and trans gods from around the world. Yeah. So there's your next book. <laughs> <laughs> book number two, Misha. Uh, book number two is actually a work in progress. A slowly crawling along work in progress. Um, some of which has 
been sidelined by waves vaguely and everything. everything. Do we get a scoop? Do we get a hint? A cryptic, a cryptic <laughs> hint? <laughs> it is a completely logical development from outside the charmed circle. Ooh, nice. It is, it, okay. it, as, as the kids these days would say, it is completely on brand. <laughs> Oh, nice, nice. Okay, so we're all going to have to read it again to look for clues. Just said, please, I will buy the heck out of that, talking about the book on all the different queer gods from all over the world. Well, <laughs> say there, there is the chapter in Outside the Charmed Circle, which is all about that. But they're just – I wrote this chapter, and I felt like I had done such a disservice to every single god that I mentioned because, like – any of them could have been a chapter could have been like some of them could have been an entire book and some of them are entire Mm -hmm. books someone surely must have written a book about queer odin by now apparently not i what i understand um just from listening to people kind of i do the thing jason mankey tells us not to do and a lot of times i read the comments on the patheos pagan facebook page he's always like don't read the comments don't do it but i do no wait a second I know Misha reads the comments because Misha comments comment on, on all comments. of them and causes like huge wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling attacked right now. I do not comment on, I actually very rarely comment on them. Judicious. Well, I, I, I rarely comment on them for two reasons. Uh, the first is that I believe as an author, that mm-hmm. people should have whatever feelings they have about my work unmediated by me putting my oar in and saying, oh, death of the author. Yeah, death of the author, absolutely. And <laughs> the other reason is that I have far healthier things to do with my life than argue with strangers on the internet and tell them you quit being such a sexist, racist, transphobic, homophobic asshat. <laughs> I never, I read the comments. I never actually comment on them unless somebody has left a comment on my specific post sure. in the blog. I don't do the Facebook stuff, but my yes, original yes. point was that um, before I attacked <laughs> before, before I joined in uh, was that I noticed Whenever it is brought up that a deity may be queer or could be understood as queer or their mythology, like the whole thing has queer elements like Odin or Loki, especially I'm noticing, um, but also some of the Mm -hmm. Greek gods, people get all twisted and bent out of shape and they're like, Expensive. And I'm like, what the fuck is the problem here? You know, they're deities. They're gods. They can be whatever the fuck but, they want. But, but <laughs> if this being that I have some piece of my identity invested in is this thing that I think is icky, then maybe some of that ick is going to rub off on me. And I think that is definitely the crux of the problem. Yep. That is definitely the Personally, I love the story of, of Loki turning into a horse to oh. seduce, you oh, know, yeah. the other horse and becoming <laughs> the, the, fa- the mother of yes. Sleepnir. I think that's a Something fabulous on story. DeviantArt, I think, did this amazing image of... Yeah, the, the, the Tom Hiddleston Loki getting a Mother's Day card from, from Slipnir. Yes, I love that. It is. I put that in my presentation about queer gods that I did at Pantheacon. (laughs) Yes, you did. I saw that. It was Because I feel like it's important to make people laugh every once in a while while you're in the midst of droning on about queer theory and gender and. Right, right. Absolutely. That's right. 
That's actually the reason why we do classes together is because I'm the joke part. <laughs> they have all the knowledge. I just say stupid shit. He does the dad joke. Car brings, yeah. car brings comic relief. That's true. And sometimes interrupts us when we start going off on rabbit trails. That's true. That's like true. We, do. we do. Bring it back. Yep. <laughs> Although, here's the time. That's right. What if the greatest tabletop hero you've ever played turns out to be yourself? In Vector, Attack of the Meta Pirates, move beyond imagination as Captain Vector and his Meta Pirates do battle from game world to world following players from setting to setting in an attempt to enter the real world. Will you help Captain Vector in his Pinocchio-like quest to enter the real world or stop him from becoming a living nightmare? Only you can decide. Vector, Attack of the Meta Pirates, can be purchased at drivethroughrpg.com on a pay-what-you-want basis. Help the captain become a nightmare. <laughs> we know that where is, Ode wants to go that's what Ode wants to see happen. I that's totally want to go get that game now. <laughs> it's an add-on. It's an add-on, yeah. So it's a supplement that you add into other oh, nice. campaigns. So you yeah. can adapt it to any rule set. Oh, drive yep. through Very RPG. Cool. You get so much of my money so often. <laughs> <laughs> and it just went pay what nice. you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so today or yesterday. So, so that uh, means you could pay. Zero dollars, or it means you can pay a hundred. You know, I, f- I find when it's okay. the the whole pay what you want, I always go, oh, I can get it for free. No, I'm not getting it for free. I'm gonna throw them yeah, ten bucks yeah. or whatever. I'm always like shamed into no, I yeah. should spend money on. I mean, I mean, it's different if it's like, oh, Radiohead put out an album, or Nine Inch Nails put out an album. Like, yeah, you know what? You have enough money, friend. Right. But when it's a little like indie publisher who's like, you don't have to pay me for this, I'm like, no, I'm oh, gonna yeah. pay you for this. Uh, the yeah. other day, yeah. uh, Bandcamp um, waived all of the fees that they take for the music that they sell for all these indie artists. So uh, my partner and I went on a shopping spree, and then afterward I looked at the list and went, wow, every single one of the musicians that we bought from today is a queer or trans person. Oh, wow. And that wasn't even intentional. It just kind of happened. I am curious if anyone in the Patreon section there, any of our listeners in the Discord, have questions for Misha. Have questions for Misha, because this is your Uh, chance. Yes. Talk to the Misha. (laughs) <laughs> I think I said, you know, it's it's, it's like a right. Mike Wallace segment on 60 Minutes. We'll just grill the Misha. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it hasn't been grilling. We're it's nice true. People. Aside from that one little thing about the, the comment. The comment. <laughs> I, I think it's what? the other Magdalene that does that. <laughs> no, Scarlet. no, that's Scarlet. <laughs> um, but the reason why I brought it up is I actually enjoy reading it because I like your comments yeah, you. to them. Your comments are always because always good. They're always they're, well thought yeah. out. They're, they're, they're well thought out, but they're snarky <laughs> enough. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just that um, right amount of snark in it to make it very but not but, but not being abrasive. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. That's my struggle and why I don't respond to comments because I'm always like, bitch, <laughs> I am 4,000% done. <laughs> that is the truth. And I think you actually responded to a comment on one of my, I was, on one of your I, blog posts. It took me like, Three hours to write this mm-hmm. like two paragraph response. I was like, I'm gonna be calm, and it still came off, bitch. <laughs> I am 100 percent over this. It was. It's it funny was because Ode has written maybe three. In fact, you need to write one this Tuesday. Yeah, I hint, know. Hint, hint. I know. No, not not blogs. Three breakup letters. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and the and breakup letters have always been basically. 
don't ever fucking talk to me again. I'm yeah. completely done with you. But yeah. usually it takes many, many pages and very Shakespearean. <laughs> describe in great detail why I will never see or speak to this person again. And they should no longer contact me. And if I ever see their face again, we're going to have a problem. The, the, the sort of breakup letter where 10 years from now, this person's going to be sobbing in therapy about it. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, That's valid. Yeah. Listen, there are many valid reasons that I haven't dated since high school, and that's one of them, is I'm saving other people from me. Oh my <laughs> Maple says, it's not me, it's you, and here's a list of reasons why. I think my, my favorite there is, yeah. it, 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 it's not you, it's me. I don't like you. <laughs> why don't we all ask the burning question? Right. Everybody asks because of the situation of the that we are in. How are you doing, Nisha? How, how, how are doing? you and your partner uh, how holding you coping? How are you um, coping? We are, by and large, coping as well as could be hoped. Um, we are both profoundly privileged to have a roof over our heads and food and water and electricity, hot and cold running internet. Um, my partner uh, works from home right now. She is a developer for a local software company, which will go unnamed, but is not small. And they very early on, uh, before there was a shelter in place order here in Washington, uh, they said, you know what? All of you just stay home, work from home. We will work this out. So the cats are thrilled. They, they, they have us home all day long and they think it's the greatest thing ever. We're doing okay. I've been really concerned for friends and family. Um, three of my immediate family are nurses. Uh, one of my sisters works on a COVID-19 floor in California and some part of my sleeplessness over the past couple of weeks has been being concerned about my family and friends, but we're doing okay. Uh, one of the things that has been incredibly helpful for me is that Mr. Rogers line about looking for the helpers, looking for the people who are look for the people who are doing the work out there to make things better or kinder or easier to manage. Um, honestly, one of the things that I've seen that just made me kind of choke up and get all verklempt and overcome was when you three opened up the discord for everybody and started doing the discord hangouts and the morning meditations to give this community, the, the three pack community greater access to that togetherness all the time. That's been really awesome. So thank you for doing that work. Oh, oh. we don't, we don't have that much we can <laughs> offer. So, so this is what we're it, doing. Yeah. <laughs> we, figured we can at least do that. And much. it really on the discord being open, that was an idea we came up with, but it's really our hunters. Yeah. Who, Cause we asked them we if it was okay for us to do this during the quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and they were 100% supportive Absolutely. of doing this. So yeah. Everybody came together on that. So one. thank you to our hunters and above for yeah. uh yeah and above for that because it's really 
it was their decision mm-hmm. on it. The Zoom hangouts are more for me than they are for anybody else. <laughs> the car's going crazy. <laughs> so he's losing it um, without being you able know, to leave I, the house. I yeah. feel that because <laughs> yeah. um, I'm. My partner is a hard introvert. She's an extremely sociable, uh, like amazingly warm and loving person, but she is very much an introvert. I am kind of the ambivert. I'm not like a full okay. extrovert, yeah. but I am far more extroverted than she is. And so I'm the one that like makes the uh once or twice a week trip to the grocery store and back to pick up necessary supplies or whatever. And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we've been doing video hangouts with people and phone calls and just whatever we can right now. Yeah. Fighting the cabin fever. Yeah, yeah. And that's beautiful. It's beautiful to see like last night. I, I think I watched Joseph in the amazing Technicolor dream coat three times because <laughs> wow, I love that musical. It's like my favorite. She can just put something on and in the background to it and sing along. And it doesn't and, matter if she's seen it recently. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful because it's really Andrew Lloyd Webber is the mm-hmm. one who said, I want to do this for people. Just like Metropolitan Opera. They've been yeah, streaming their, their operas that are available online for free. It's the same with the ballet and the museum tours. And my guess is all these people realized they weren't going to be making any money anyway. So they might as well. Yeah. 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 But, and yeah. it's, it's, it's a really beautiful way to see people coming together. Yeah. My, my partner and I, um, we had tickets to a ballet and then the, we have tickets to so many shows that just went, um, but the ballet actually, they recorded the dress rehearsal and streamed that for all of us who had tickets. So that was really cool. Yeah. 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 Elfwort J just said Indigo Girls did a concert at home. Of course, Elton John and friends did a a living room concert to Mm -hmm. raise money for, um, for frontline workers. Even local artists are doing it. So Mm -hmm. one of our good friends, uh, locally here, Megan Dooley Mm -hmm. has been doing like weekly concerts from, she's calling them the slipper concerts because she gets to stand in her slippers in her living room and play. So Mm -hmm. I love Dooley. Yep. (laughs) So yeah, I know Nathaniel, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Nathaniel Johnstone is, uh, doing weekly concerts from his, uh, studio in the basement. Nathaniel <laughs> is one of my favorite humans on the planet. I love him to pieces. And uh, apparently at the last concert, uh, someone asked if he could do the Chuck Tingle song. this requires just a teensy bit of backstory we were at uh pantheacon two years ago and one thing led to another and we wound up improvising a blues jam in e called pounded in the butt by dr chuck tingles jingle boy blues (laughs) (laughs) Chuck oh, is a joy and a delight and a treasure, and we're all, we don't deserve him. <laughs> no, no, we don't. He is the hero we need, if not the hero we deserve. Uh-huh. So we've performed this song twice. The second time that we performed it was at Soul Food Coffee House here in Redmond, Washington, with um, Betsy Tenney and Sonny Larson and Aaron Shea and Sarah Shea and Alexander James Adams. Um, and Elizabeth Lane and Mike Mermelstein and Dogwood. Wow, I remembered everybody. Yay. Um, all, all performing along with. And that was videoed by Case Alexander, who also writes for Patheos and is on YouTube. So there's now video evidence of me standing in front of an audience 
singing Pounded in the Butt and then reading off a, a string of Chuck Tingle story titles. Oh, Misha, you should not have revealed this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you're saying is you're going to post that uh-huh, on the Three Pagans in the right. group. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. No, I, I, I have no shame. I was in... <laughs> I was in a bouncy guitar pop band for five years where I played a Telecaster on a trampoline while a bubble machine was going. I love it. (laughs) I have no shame about this. About this. I mean, you know. No shame, just standards. Exactly. Thank you. That I like that. Someone asked Nathaniel if uh, he he could do the the Chuck Tingle song, and he sadly reported that he could not because there was a Misha shaped hole in the studio. Aww. <laughs> I I I got choked up. It was a thing. Well, now you guys have to like do it online somehow. Yeah. Like do a Zoom thing. Do, like do people have Zoom been doing concert. that too. Like you know, putting together yeah. uh, songs by yeah. adding you know editing snippets together. Yeah, there, like the latency for doing it live is kind of an issue, but mm-hmm. we we might have to see what we can do. Yeah, do some recording. It'd be awesome. The cool thing about Zoom is that each person who's on it, you can hit record, and it'll actually record individual tracks for those people. Oh, nice. So editing it together then in like Pro Tools or something would be super easy because you would have individual tracks for everybody yeah. who's there. Okay. Do that. Yeah. So it, it should be significantly easier to do than people think. And that that Misha shaped hole can, can be, be filled. filled. I I Wait, love this idea. <laughs> that Misha shaped hole can be pounded. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes, Dang. folks. Are an explicit podcast. <laughs> do not forget that. It's inevitable. Although his most recent work is not pounded in the butt because of COVID-19. Oh, uh, yes. Because of appropriate social distancing. <laughs> I love this. Because Chuck Tingle is, as always, better than we deserve. <laughs> it's so true. It, Chuck Tingle is a bodhisattva, a righteous dude, a walking saint. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I actually just went and found the YouTube video, so I'm going to steal into the chat and drop that in right there. There you go. For there you listening go. pleasure. <laughs> Probably okay. not something we can add to the end of the podcast. No, no, no copyright is a thing. Yeah, but it's on YouTube. It's it's easily findable. I can put it in the episode description. That's true. <laughs> you can show it. That's right. That's right. Meet a friend at the Art Filet. Our Tiger Michelle invites you to her shop, where she showcases her painted and carved sugar skull eggshells for the world to enjoy. Each piece is handcrafted and unique with a name and a style all its own and a desire to find a happy home with you. Every egg comes in a special box adorned with a note about the creation. Michelle has been sculpting her design since 2015 and knows that you and your family and friends will love it. She also makes natural eggs, beautiful painted rockery, and jewelry to share. As well as the sugar skulls, Michelle has designed an acorn egg which just happens to be the most popular egg she makes. Adorned with lentils and wood beads and hemp or leather hangings, visit The Artful Egg at theartfulegg.net. Now, I did want to kind of back things up a little bit. I realized, Misha, that I really don't know a lot about your past or how you That thing we usually ask people at the start of an interview. At the start, but we just are so excited about talking to you, we just (laughs) jumped right into this shit. Just to regular chitter chat. Just to regular chitter chat. 
International um, Queer of Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your path, how your, you came to be a witch. Oh, goodness. <laughs> there are a few different answers that I give to this question, and they're all equally bullshit. So um, I'll, tr- I'll try and come up with one that sounds convincing, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your your other option is to give us your most illogical one. Yes, that's true. Or, hey, I pass on this question. That's also an option. (laughs) Dial a friend. Ooh, I can call Uh, Gwion. Since, I mean, technically I'm supposed to be Gwion this weekend. Uh, Yeah, Gwion, yeah. Uh, On the 18th. On the 18th. On the 18th, yes. I mean, we're... Yeah, we're practically the same person anyway, and, yeah. and I, I think Guion would agree that, you know, I, I, I was actually very sad because I was supposed to be rooming with Guion at Paganicon oh. a couple of weekends ago. We were, we were going to be room buddies, but so it goes. Alas, the whole world exploded. Yeah, yeah, inconvenient and inconsiderate yes. of it, but what can you do? As with so much else in my life, it all started with Dungeons and Dragons. Fair enough. enough. Yeah, um, I, I was a, uh, an obnoxious, awkward little kid in the gifted and talented program in a public school in Central California in the 80s. And all of my friends were playing this game with dice and pencils and paper and things. And I was like, what is this? And they were like, it's Dungeons and Dragons. And I went, cool, what's that? And they said, it's a game, but it's too cool for you to play. And I got very upset about this. (laughs) And, you know, went home and moped around like a little miniature Robert Smith for a few days. And then my mom went out and bought me this game. And I got hooked. And... As part of the process of just getting completely into this game, I was like, wow, so this is all about like, you know, swords and sorcery and dragons and things. And I started reading about all of these things, you know, reading fantasy novels and went, oh, wait, there's stuff like this in the real world. And I started reading mythology and, you know found Edith Hamilton and Thomas Bullfinch and the Dolaires, you know, Dolaires book of Greek myths. Ah. And I thought this was all just really cool and amazing. And golly, isn't it kind of sad that like, we don't have religions like this anymore. And then I found out we did just <laughs> not as commonly known as, you know, second Methodist down at the corner or whatever. And so I started trying to find out more about that and then discovered that um somebody in my social circle, this is when I was a little older, um someone I knew in my social circle was a witch. And I went to them and was like, hi, so what's this all about? And they said, well, hang on a moment. Went in the other room, came back and handed me two books and said, go away, read these, come back, we'll talk. What they handed me were uh, Starhawk's The Spiral Dance and Margot Adler's Drawing Down the Moon. Oh, yes. Because it was the mid-80s and those were the two books. Yep. That is how I became aware that there was a modern pagan movement, that there were still people worshipping these gods and doing magic and doing all this cool stuff. And I read it and I went, that's for me. And, you know, basically have been doing this on and off ever since. So out of that whole story, I only have one real question. 
Shoot. Was it Robert Smith of The Cure, Robert Smith of Sushi and the Banshees, or Robert Smith of The Glove that you were trying to... Probably... I probably like pornography era, the cure okay. in effect. It probably looked more like, um, you know, his brief stint with the banshees. Gotcha. <laughs> I also have an important question, which is what was your preferred D and D class fighter, magic user, thief, multi-classed because Whoa. I can never pick just one of anything. <laughs> Or, you know, if we're playing like, uh, if we're playing the Tom Moldvay basic expert D&D, which is, you know, like the not advanced Dungeons and Dragons, but the kitty Dungeons and Dragons, kind of how they marketed it, uh, elf, which is basically fighter magic user, but with a level cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are, are, are often, um, people hear me talk about, uh, the history of witchcraft or talk about magic or queer theory and they have no idea how much of my occult practice is informed by having been a D&D nerd. Oh, I think that's true for a lot of people. I was so, I wasn't into D&D because at that time in my life in the, you know, in the eighties when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. I was still a Christian and that was naughty. Verboten. Oh yes. Verboten. I enough was a Christian back then, but still fucking played D&D. You were a rebel. Because you were a rebel. I didn't find my rebelness until my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. I like that word. Rapscallion. It's, word. it's oh, yeah, one of my word. favorites since I was like 14 and I discovered it existed. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's true. Excellent That's true. word. Do you guys have any more questions for, for Misha or any other topics of discussion that we can pick their brain on? So your book's available obviously on Amazon and everywhere else that books can be purchased. Indeed, Barnes and you know, Noble, all the places. All- Yep. Uh, is there an audio message. version of it yet? There is not. Um, I do not know if there's going to be one. I, I hope so. That would be fun. I'll give you the same thing I gave Jason, Mankey. If you're interested, I'll read it. I would love that, honestly. So, that would be amazing. So <laughs> I'm more than happy to do that. It'll be my third time reading through it. And mm-hmm. just, <laughs> just do it, and I can fuck up all the words. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> or I can read it, too. I, we can read it together. Oh, that's true, too. A chapter um, a piece. A chapter a piece. If somebody wants an autograph copy, which three of our listeners already have, thanks to Nisha. Right. It's true. Uh, if somebody wants a, an autograph copy, can they get one from you? They can. They yes. Do you have them? Yes. As a matter of fact, I just got a box of books. I, I was out of my own book. It was a, a very embarrassing situation. <laughs> um, but I, I just got a, a box of books, so I do actually have copies. And so how uh, would they contact you? Um, they can contact me. Probably the easiest way of contacting me is to find me on Facebook or on the contact page on my website, which is MishaMagdalene.com. Um, and they can find me on Facebook as Misha Magdalene. And yeah, we can work something out. You have um, a store on your website that uh, lists what the cost of a of a autographed copy of the book. I do not have a store on the website because oh, and somebody just posted in the Discord. They were very touched by the time put into the personalized signed copy they want. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm so glad you got it. That's that's wonderful. I don't have a store on the website, so it would have to be this really, you know, awkward personal interaction thing <laughs> where people reach out to me and they're like, "Hi, I want a copy of your book," and I go, "Oh my God, you do? Why?" <laughs> uh, and we'll, you know, 
we'll, we'll, we'll make it super awkward and uncomfortable and it'll be great. Perfect. Ideal. Perfect. And all the introverts in the group just went, yeah, okay, so I'll buy it on Amazon. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely promise that, um, I will not in any way, shape or form judge anybody for, for being awkward in private messages because I am even worse. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can attest. I was going to say, you can. You, you've messaged with me. I'm a hot mess. Well, That's it, I think. Yeah, I think so. So, Misha, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight. And thank you so much for having me. Just the information. And pet your beautiful little cats for me because I love your cats. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've been following the adventures for a year now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, they, their birthday was just a few days ago, and their adoption uh, day is coming up the end of next month at the end of May. So like five years from now. Um, <laughs> but it, for, for those of you who I see there, somebody in the discord is like kitties. Uh, you can find the cat's Instagram uh, is purring in stereo, which is a reference to the cars song moving in stereo. And they are these ridiculously adorable little brother and sister, black kittens that my partner and I adopted from Seattle humane and um part of the reason that I am doing this interview downstairs is because if I did it upstairs, they would be all over me on the keyboard, in the camera, and chewing on my headphones. <laughs> well, I love purring in stereo. I love all the pictures that you they they always bring such joy to my heart. Wynn shows them to me sometimes I because do. I'm not on any of the social medias. Because they're just fucking adorable cats. So <laughs> They are, they are ridiculously adorable. They really are. Thank you all so much for having me on. This has been a delight and a joy. And yeah. And Odin, I look forward to one day meeting you in person. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It will happen. I believe it. I believe it. 45 years from now. Right. We just, we just gotta somehow be in the same place at the same time. Next fall, something. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we all do a synchronized goodbye and then we can stop the recording. And go from there. You say that as if we've ever successfully done the synchronized goodbye. Okay. One, two, three. Goodbye. Car just didn't. Car just didn't. I try. I try. All right. I'm going to stop the recording. Yes, stop the recording. Oh, sorry. As Finn is reminding me, if you need to know more about three pagans and a cat, then you can just check out Google. You just Google the number three pagans and a cat and it shows up all kinds of shit. Yep. yep. So, or you can just go to three pagans at a cat.com. That's the number, the number three, three pagans at a cat.com. Come and visit me on Patheos Pagan because I do most of the writing for the blog. I try to post something two to three times a week. Ode is going to get something I, this I Tuesday. Owe, I owe a post this Tuesday. This so Tuesday. We'll I don't have anything <laughs> planned. But, uh, and then Twitter and all those fun things. Otherwise, do like card suggests and uh-huh. Google. Google us. Yep. And Goodbye. Goodbye. Right. Goodbye, friends. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, sorry. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.